Welcome to another round of life sparring in the blue corner with a solo exhibition fight. Your host, Fabian Gruber. He is all alone this week, so prepare your ears for a round of mediocre karaoke. This is life sparring round 12. Let's go. Hey there. This is Life Sparring Round 12, another solo shadow boxing round covering the months of June and July. As in previous episodes, shadow boxing rounds are rounds where I go solo, where I'm lonely today even without support from the wife. You know what that means. I got to sing again. Skip the next 50 seconds if you have sensitive ears. I'm going to interpret a lovely song from the sad and sexy Lickily from Sweden who thinks that I might be better off alone. When you hold me tightly on I, Oh baby, I feel like something's not right When you hold me tightly like that Oh baby, I'm Okay, now after the singing is out of the way, let's go back to podcasting. It's summer in Hong Kong, and either it's climate change or me getting old, but it's hot and the heat seems to suck quite some energy out of me. Even with Garmin showing a full body battery in the morning, I often feel drained and definitely had a few evenings and weekends where I just wanted to kick back instead of working on a podcast or an article. This shows a little bit in the productivity, but yeah, I hope I make it up with quality. Despite the heat, I'm surprisingly successful keeping up with my running schedule. I run three times per week, uh, very consistently. June marked the four subsequent months uh, of me meeting my 100 km per month running goal. In June, it took quite an effort, though. I had to even take off June 30 from work to get the missing 13 kilometers in. But at the end, it only counts that I made it. For July, I'm on course to hit the 100 again. Let's see. I'm not 25 years anymore, so controlling the effort of individual sessions but being disciplined with the frequency is the way to get the best results for me. For quite a long time now, my weekly schedule includes two one-hour gym sessions with a personal trainer during lunch break and three times running between 5 and 20 kilometers, depending on my mood and my time. I've worked out and ran most of my life, but never with this consistency and dedication, and it really starts showing. After working with a coach for more than two years now, my body composition really shows a difference. I have a chest and shoulders that I never had, and even with my midsection still needing a lot of work and some dieting, I'm quite happy with the transformation. Also on the running front, it seems to improve. At the end, only the colder weather in autumn will show how fast I actually am, but at least Garmin credits me with a VO2 max of 46 and a fitness age of 30. These are the best values I've ever had. I mean, I'm not a really fast runner. As with so many things in life, results motivate to work even harder, 
which leads in turn to more results. So what's on and popping at the moment other than heat and working out? Well, one topic is still related uh, to running in the heat. I finally got to try out You Can Superstarch, a carbohydrate supplement that is supposed to fuel you on longer cardio activities without spiking your blood glucose. Usually I do runs of up to two hours without carrying water. I often run on empty stomach and as I live generally quite low carb-ish, I rarely use carbohydrate supplements, unless it's an extremely long trail run or hike. But since I run that much at the moment, I thought it makes sense to experiment a bit. Superstarch is very interesting. I heard of it a long time ago in Dr. Peter Atia's blog. He swears by it and has endorsed it on multiple occasions. Superstarch is essentially a cornstarch that has been modified in a way to provide long-lasting energy release and was originally developed for an infant with a life-threatening form of hypoglycemia that required the child to be fed every two hours to avoid blood glucose to drop dangerously low. The superstarch, the child was uh, eventually able to sleep for eight hours straight. I tried superstarch now on a few long runs, following the instructions and taking one scoop uh, on a bit more than 12 ounces of water 30 to 45 minutes before the run. And I must admit, I felt pretty good during the activities. Unfortunately, I don't have a continuous blood glucose meter at the moment, but just by the feel of it, Superstarch seemed to deliver on the promise to provide sustainable energy without a glucose spike. I'm planning to eventually get an Abbott Freestyle Liberal Blood Glucose Monitor again and do some proper experimental runs with and without Superstarch and document the differences in blood glucose and results. For now, my only complaint is the taste. I got Superstarch Tropical Orange and it tastes about as nice as you would expect something with that name to taste. The starch makes a milky drink with a truly medical flavor. Superstarch simply tastes like something you would get in a hospital, maybe as a stool softener or something. You can also sell Superstarch Energy in plain, lemon, cran res and cocoa delight flavors. I haven't tried any of those other flavors, but I can imagine that the milky consistency benefits the cocoa one. Yeah, that's probably what I would go for next time. Right now, I must say that downing a shaker of tropical orange definitely requires some commitment. So what else is popping? I popped in as a guest on Simon Kleiber's personal agility podcast to talk about one of my favorite topics, the quantified self. Simon was guest on round eight of the Life Sparring podcast when we talked about OKRs, objective key results. Now I returned the favor. Simon's podcast is in German and while I'm a native German speaker, I'm not used to talk about a topic like QS in German. So it was a premier experience for me in both aspects. It was my first podcast appearance as a guest and the first time talking on a podcast in German. I was all prepared to lecture a bit about the history of the quantified self movement, but we jumped pretty much straight into my personal quantified self practices. We had a bit of a discussion if tracking your expenses actually would be considered a quantified self-practice. Simon knew the term more narrowly in relation to tracking physical aspects of life. I understand QS in a wider sense. After all, the motto of the quantified self-community is self-knowledge through numbers. And tracking every cent I have spent and earned over the past 14 days is a treasure cove of data about me and how my life and my behaviors changed and evolved over time. I arrived in Hong Kong 2007, young, hopeful and broke. Then I started earning a bit. I eventually married, invested into myself with a self-finance part-time MBA, finally moved up the career ladder a bit and was able to invest into a house. 
All that can be nicely read from the expenses records over time. The majority of Simon's and my discussion was around health tracking though. I shared my enthusiasm for tracking my heart rate variability with my Garmin Phoenix 6 and my Aura Ring. The beauty of HRV is simply that it is a very fast reacting physical signal that can be tracked quite reliably. If I do a long run today, I know that my HRV will easily drop from 85 milliseconds to 60 milliseconds or lower tomorrow. When I analyzed the data recorded while experiencing the side effects of my COVID vaccination, you could see this um, effect quite nicely. Well, I have written and podcasted about this topic. I think Simon expected me to track my data more with a clear goal in mind. While I have body weight and body composition goals and currently aim to run 100 km each month, I track a lot of data without trying to achieve an objective. Especially when it comes to health data like resting heart rate, HIV, or even tracking my blood glucose levels, I don't have a specific objective in mind other than getting to know my body better and establishing base values that enable me to observe changes over time. If you get your blood glucose or, for example, your urine pH value measured once per year when you do your annual medical checkup, your doctor might be able to flag an extreme value compared to the general population, but he or she can't say if your value is unusual for you, because the doctor doesn't know what your baseline, your long-term average is. I think the human body is pretty complicated and has a lot of moving parts and levers, so we differ in a lot of ways from each other. One example is that there's a simple standard formula to calculate the maximum heart rate. For males, it is 220 minus H. This formula is pretty close to accurate for the majority of healthy men. But for me, it never worked. Way into my 30s, I could get my heart rate rate like really above 200 beats per minute. And even earlier this year, I checked this before the show, aged 43 almost, I got my heart rate up to 194 during a virtual trail race. The standard formula just doesn't work for me, and I have to assume that this is the case for a lot of other population average data too. After all, quantified self means n equals 1 data instead of big data, and that's maybe the one aspect that I like the most about the idea of the quantified self. I just hope that self-tracking gets better, even more effortless, and especially that doctors start respecting the data a bit more. After all, a lot of the consumer devices able to track health data are not less accurate than the ones used in clinics. With not so much more on and poppin', let's go straight into food for thought, the segment where I share what I just read and what I'm thinking about it. Now, with me not being that productive in other areas, you would expect me to read a lot these days. But actually, the opposite was the case over the past few weeks. I'm still reading Daniel Kahneman's new book, Noise. It's a great book and not even very hard to read, but it takes me much longer than I expected to finish it. Somehow I was literally craving to read something lighter in between, so I was reading Kahneman, I finished two smaller novels, John Irving's The Water Method Man and Paolo Coelho's The Alchemist. The Water Method Man was the third John Irving book I read after reading and reviewing Hotel New Hampshire and A Prayer for Owen Meany. The book was published in 1972, and as Irving's second novel was predating the other two books I have read of him. I would not say that I was disappointing. The book was still fun to read, but compared to the other two, I liked The Water Method Man significantly less. The Water Method Man is an absurd story, but that's not even my problem with the book. Just like uh, Haruki Murakami, 
John Irving has the ability to tell an absurd story in a way that you are not even questioning it. The protagonist, after some adultery goes wrong, ends up naked in a swamp wearing nothing but a condom, ends up forgetting to take it off for several hours, which at the end leads to a major altercation with his physically imposing wife. Sure, why not? Sad protagonist, ironically named Bogus Trumper, which in itself is extremely ironic and once again a great example for John Irving seemingly being able to read into the future, travels to Vienna, ends up without money and somehow makes it home through the help of a weird secret agent operation that without any clear reason tries to smuggle a giant pack of wheat back to the US. Yeah, totally, totally makes sense. As I said, this absurdity is not the problem that I have with the Water Method Man. The main issue that I have is that the main character, said Bogus Trumper, is just so terribly unrelatable that I almost did not care what happened to him. Other than that, the book had a lot of typical elements that seem to be part of any Irving novel. New England's landscape and weather, this much it's more Maine than New Hampshire, trips to Vienna, Austria, wrestling, a lot of sexuality, swearing, tons of dark humor, and some true pearls of wisdom. Especially the last might surprise you if you're not used to Irving. But in a generally absurd book, you find a quote like, it's not until he arrives, still unfeeling, in Vienna, that he considers the possibility that adventure is a time, not a place. This is just pure writer's genius, and just one or two gems like this make a whole book worth reading. The absolute hidden star of the book, however, is Aktheld and Gunnel, a fictive heroic poem of epic size, written in the equally fictive Viking language Old Low Norse, related but distinct from the actual existing Nordic languages Old West Norse, Old East Norse and Old Goodnish, which Bogus Trumper tries to translate as his PhD thesis. The level of detail in which Irving describes the Aktheld and Gunnel epos is so incredibly funny that I really wish that it would be turned into an HBO or Netflix show. The second book, The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho, left me a bit similar to The Water Method Man. The Alchemist is a book that you actually want to like. It's written beautifully and it's essentially an uplifting spiritual book in the form of a fairy tale. Maybe it's my skeptic German nature, but I don't really believe that much in fairy tales. I also don't believe in the law of attraction or that, citing the book, when you want something, the whole universe conspires in order for you to achieve it. I wish. But I absolutely agree that Paolo Coelho's Alchemist is a book well worth to read and especially a book worth reading to your children, nieces or nephews. Even just for true pearls like there's only one thing that makes a dream impossible to achieve, the fear of failure. Because that is something I really believe is true. Much less poetic than The Alchemist, but also extremely insightful, is an article called The Economics of Dollar Stores by Zachary Crockett, published end of June in The Hustle. Crockett breaks down fairly detailed how companies like Dollar Tree, Dollar General, and Family Dollar operate and manage to be Target and Walmart in profitability. The article is a relatively short read, almost like a PowerPoint presentation with a lot of figures and data, and it will probably leave you with your mind blown, with a little bit less faith in humanity, and with the clear thought that nothing is more costly than being poor. 
I guess this is the not so uplifting end of this edition of Food for Thought. But, well, the alchemist makes up for it in optimism, I guess. Speaking about optimism, I'm fairly optimistic that over the next few weeks there will be multiple really, really cool interview rounds of the Life Sparring podcast coming out. Two shows I already recorded. One is scheduled this Friday. I really can't wait to put those episodes out. And yeah, I just hope you will come back and listening to them. And if you do so, have as much fun listening to them as I had recording. This was Life Sparring Round 12, Shadowboxing June-July 2021, with me, your host Fabian Gruber. Life Sparring is produced by Thomas Latter. Intro and outro beat are by my Kesey producer. More info about Life Sparring in this episode, including all links, gadgets and resources mentioned in the show, you can find at lifesparring.com slash podcast, lifesparring with a hyphen. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave a like wherever you are getting your podcast from. I hope you join us again for the next round of Life Sparring. Until then, stay healthy, keep your hands up and protect yourself at all times. <laughs> <laughs>